Here is where we gather in the presence of the sacred. Here is where we gather to experience the holy. Here is where together we face the unanswerable questions and we acknowledge that the not knowing can be both sublime and frustrating. Here is where we unite in the midst of life and all its glories, all the suffering it can hold, knowing both are ever present. Here is where we ask questions, think, risk, discuss, ponder, and offer what might not be welcomed or even acceptable elsewhere. Here is where, if we allow it, we may be deeply moved. Here is where we encounter each other in deep and powerful ways that sometimes provoke and surprise us, yet without which we might not survive. Here we gather to worship, to experience something happening, perhaps something different for each of us according to our beliefs, something unnamed, uncategorized, unusual, but absolutely necessary. Here we are so gathered, our minds, our hearts, and our souls. And so our hour of worship begins. These opening words by Patricia Sheldon, they welcome all those who have gathered this morning for our Sunday service. Welcome those here present in the building at Essex Church. Welcome to all joining us via Zoom from far and wide. We're glad you're here this day. Uh, if we haven't previously met, my name is Jane Blackhall. I am ministry coordinator with Kensington Unitarians. Whoever you are, however you are, wherever you are, I hope you find something of what you most need this day. Today's service is titled Inquiring Minds. Uh, the choice of topic was inspired in part by two different publications. Firstly, The Inquirer, uh, national uh, Unitarian magazine, comes out once a fortnight and it has been doing since 1842 making it the longest-lived non-conformist paper in the world, apparently. And this book, The Importance of Being Interested, by Robin Ince. We'll hear a, bit of, a little excerpt of that later on in the service. With the help of these two publications, we'll reflect on the vital role that asking questions and being curious plays in a faithful and flourishing life. But let's take a moment before we go any further, just to settle in, arrive and truly prepare for worship. We've each chosen to take time out of the day, time out of the everyday doings of our lives, to be here now. So let us take one conscious breath. And perhaps another, and with each exhalation, Let's visualize a letting go, setting aside of whatever it is we've come in carrying, whatever agitation, whatever palaver that has got on our case this week. Let's set it aside. We can pick it up later if we need to. But let's bring our whole selves here and now as we consecrate this hour with our presence and intention. I'm going to light our chalice flame now as I do each time we gather. It's a simple ritual that connects us in solidarity with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part. 
We seek our place in this beautiful yet heartbreaking world. And we search for answers to our heart's deepest questions. As we seek, may our hearts be truly open, open to complex and unexpected answers, open to the wise insights of others, open to forming new and ever deeper connections within, between and beyond ourselves. And may the light of our chalice remind us that this is a community of warmth, of wisdom and of welcome. Before we go any further, let's sing. Our first hymn today is called Here We Have Gathered. It's number 62 in your purple hymn books if you're in the building. And for those joining via Zoom, the words will be up on your screen. Feel free to stand or sit as you prefer and sing up as you can. Here We Have Gathered. Let's take all of those joys and concerns, both spoken and unspoken, into an extended time of prayer now. This is based on some words by Susan Suchoki. You might want to adjust your position to get comfortable. 
You might want to close your eyes or soften your gaze, maybe put down anything you don't need to be holding. There might be some posture that feels more prayerful, whatever works for you, whatever helps you to get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together now. To be fully present in this sacred time and space with ourselves, each other, and that which lies within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being, we turn our full attention to you, the light within and without, as we tune into the depths of this life and the greater wisdom to which and through which we are all so intimately connected. Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the very centre of our being. Day by day, month by month, year by year, we are confronted with all that we do not know, all that we do not understand, all that we do not grasp. Life, with all its unexpected twists and turns, seems to be beyond the comprehension of our human minds. Sometimes we are humbled by this knowledge and we say, God, it is too glorious to comprehend, but we know this universe is more grand and more beautiful than we ever could have imagined. We give thanks for the blessing of simply being here, seeing and hearing, experiencing and sensing all that is so wonderful around and within. Sometimes we are shocked and saddened by this knowledge and we say, God, merciful spirit, we need this burden of hurt and suffering to be taken from us. Grant us the courage, the wisdom and the fortitude to bear the pain of living. Send us those who will help to carry our burdens for a while. Those who will comfort us with their healing words and their companionable presence. Sometimes we are angered by this knowledge and we say in the name of justice and compassion, if it be in our power, give us the strength and the ability to right the wrongs we witness in this life. For no person in this world deserves to suffer so, including ourselves. Sometimes we are made joyous by this knowledge and we say, spirit of life who blesses our world, we rejoice for this precious life we've been given and we're grateful for all the unexpected gifts that have come our way. And sometimes we're made curious by this knowledge and we say, holy and inexplicable is this life, infinitely mysterious and beguiling. Please let us always continue to search for greater knowledge, understanding and wisdom. And in a good few moments of shared silence now, may we each speak inwardly the deepest prayers of our hearts. Maybe something in our own life or the life of the world is weighing heavy on us this day. Or maybe we're feeling full of gratitude despite it all. And we feel moved to give thanks for our blessings. 
Let us lift up whatever is on our heart this day and ask for what we most need. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness, and we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Let's sing once again. Our next hymn is For the Splendour of Creation. If you're here in person, it's number 39 in the hymn books. And as before, the words will be up on your screen at home to sing along. Again, stand or sit as you prefer. For the Splendour of Creation. by bees by Victoria Safford. A young child is stung by bees in a playground on a summer morning, joining the ranks of children everywhere. It's her first time and she takes it very personally. Weeks after the fact, out of nowhere, she asks, why was I stung by bees? Why was I stung by bees? 
Her mind requires the why. She is not at peace with her vast unknowing, and she is only momentarily satisfied when for the 107th time I explain, you were stung by bees because they happened to be on the climbing frame at exactly the same time as you. Were they mean bees, she says? I say no. Are bees bad? I tell her no. Are they supposed to sting us? I say, not exactly. Well, then why was I stung by bees? She is a novice philosopher. From the moment, for the moment, because she is only three years old, there is no way to explain random chance and luck and the doctrine of grace. No way to say, look, it just happened. You and the bees got there together, okay? It was just an accident. She lives in the endless echoing of why. She relies, like many of us, on the illusion of cause and effect in this life to make sense of it, to get her bearings. There is no real way just yet to interest her as deeply in mystery and in the far more serious echoing question, which is, so what will you do now? Will you always be scared of bees? Do you still love to look at insects? Would you like to learn more about bees and wasps and hornets, or maybe steer clear for a while, move on to ants and beetles, a safer entomology? Shall we put up a sign to warn other children? She's trapped, as I so often am, in why it happened and how. But so much more, so much worth wondering, and pondering lies in what will happen next. Who made the world, the broken world, and why? Who made the suffering world, and why? Three-year-olds and theologians can chew these tired bones all day. But for me, the real religious questions open wide and holy, exciting, dangerous, urgent, comforting, sustaining. When we accept the mystery and then we move on or reverently move in. The world was made gorgeous, tender, broken, dangerous. We know not why. How now shall we live in it, you and I and everyone? Thanks, Hannah. So we're going to move into a time of meditation now. And to take us into the silence, I'm going to offer a, a selection of quotes, all on the theme of questioning and being curious. Quotes to ponder during the, the silent time, perhaps. A few minutes of shared silence will end with the sound of a bell, and then we're going to hear some lovely music from Sydney and Simon. So once again, let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable. Put down anything you don't need to be holding. You might want to get your feet flat on the floor to ground and steady yourself. And as I always say, the words and the music they are an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. M. Basil Pennington said, there are questions, lots of questions. And it is good to live in the question. A pat answer is closed, it's finished, that's it. 
it goes nowhere and leaves little room for hope. The question, the mystery, opens a space for us. It's full of possibility. It gives hope of life and ever more abundant life. Our faith, solid as it might be, is full of questions and therefore full of life and hope. Tubbs and Children said, I believe that spiritual practice is more about holding questions than finding answers. Seeking one correct answer often comes from a wish to make life, which is basically fluid, into something certain and fixed. Holding a question and exploring its many facets over time puts us in touch with the mystery of life. Saul Alinsky said, Curiosity and irreverence go together. Curiosity asks, is this true? Just because this has always been the way, is it the best or the right way of life, the best or right religion, political or economic value, morality? The questioner rebels against any repression of a free, open search of ideas, no matter where they may lead. Einstein apparently said, the important thing is not to stop questioning. Curiosity has its own reason for existing. One cannot help but be in awe when contemplating the mysteries of eternity, of life, of the marvellous structure of reality. It is enough if one tries merely to comprehend a little of this mystery every day. And finally, Thomas Merton said, in the progress towards religious understanding, one does not go from answer to answer, but from question to question. So as we move into a time of silence now, I invite you to ponder on the presence of the inquiring spirit in your own life.
This next reading is an excerpt from The Importance of Being Interested by Robin Ince, who, as well as being a writer, a comedian, and an all-round good egg, is probably best known now for co-presenting The Infinite Monkey Cage, a long-running and popular science show on Radio 4 alongside Brian Cox. Um, he's sufficiently popular among Unitarians that he has twice previously been booked to do stand-up at our national gigs and at the Fuse Festival in the Southeast in the not-too-distant past. So in this book, which I only read recently and I thought was marvellous, he reflects on a series of conversations with scientists of many different stripes, focusing not so much on the content of their theories and their experiments as on the attitude of curiosity and wonder and intellectual humility that underpins the best of them. He writes, at the time of writing, there have been 150 episodes of The Infinite Monkey Cage, and it has covered everything from the theory of relativity and the Higgs boson to how science proves that it is best to eat a pear with a golden spoon and how to speak fluent chimpanzee. I've spoken to Nobel Prize winning geneticists, Apollo astronauts, undersea explorers and one wizard. Such work has often meant that I'm in the fortunate position of being the stupidest person in the room. It is not always good for the ego, but it is very good for my education. W.H. Auden wrote that when he was in the company of scientists, he felt like a shabby curate who has strayed by mistake into a drawing room of dukes. I am pretty happy to be the shabby curate. I've got a wardrobe full of cardigans and I come from a long line of vicars, so I have the ecumenical gene. The way the guests on the show explain and talk about science, the way they make it relevant to everything about my daily life, my existence here on the planet, the past, the present and the future, has rekindled my enthusiasm and widened my curiosity for a subject that died a death on the Bunsen burners of my youth. My mind has been repeatedly blown by the images and ideas offered by scientific thought and inquiry, and I am glad. I'm getting used to doubt, and I am inspired by the seemingly inexplicable. A nittled knowledge is only a dangerous thing if you think it's enough knowledge. I believe that the deeper you explore science, the more our new knowledge creates rich stories, new enchantments. And rather than leaving us alone in a vast universe, it connects us to everything. As I talk to all the different contributors to this book, I've found the picture of the universe around me changing frequently. I think one of the purposes of bold human endeavors, whether scientific, philosophical or artistic, is to change how we see what we see and to possibly change ourselves along with that. Changing your mind is not always easy. But a common theme with the many people I spoke to was the need for inquisitive humility rather than righteous brutality if we are to progress. And with that humility comes the need to interrogate yourself as much as you interrogate other people and to ask, why do I believe what I believe? What foundations am I standing on? And why do I favour them? Life becomes easier to live when you start to understand it, when you don't ignore the questions, when you don't try to paper over your confusions, but you open up to them. By becoming acquainted with scientific curiosity, by learning and understanding from it, I believe we can be rehumanized. Perhaps we can be as beguiled by reality as we can be beguiled by myth, and we can find room for both. 
words from Robin Ince. So I've given today's service this title, Inquiring Minds, as I said, largely as a nod to the Inquirer, our Unitarian Museum, magazine, which comes out once a fortnight. We always leave a little pile of them out in the foyer. Enough for everyone. You're welcome to take one home for free anytime. Or as I'm sure the editor and the board would like me to remind you, uh, you can subscribe and receive it direct to your doormat or indeed view electronic copies online at inquirer.org.uk. So as I said earlier, the Inquirer's first ever issue was published on the 9th of July, 1842, which apparently makes it the longest lived non-conformist paper in the world. And the title itself underlines something about the very nature of our Unitarian movement, I think. It's our self-understanding as Unitarians. We think of ourselves as people who ask questions, who dig deeper, people with inquiring minds. This curiosity, or alternatively, this refusal to be satisfied with a superficial understanding of the world and how it works, this refusal to be bobbed off with pat answers or to follow the herd, that attitude is right there in the origin story of Unitarianism. It's baked into our metaphorical DNA. Think about good old Theophilus Lindsay, who founded this very congregation nearly 250 years ago now. He first left the Anglicans because he could not in good conscience go along with the list of beliefs, the so-called 39 articles of the church, that he was supposed to sign up to unquestioningly. For Unitarians, it seems to me, this commitment to questioning and, like Lindsay, following through on the sometimes very disruptive implications of what we discover as a result of our inquiry, he gave up a sure thing with the Anglicans in order to found the first Unitarian church. Such a commitment to asking questions, seeking deeper truths, and following wherever it may lead, that is central, a central aspect to this faith. So as I said, the publication that actually sparked this morning's choice of theme was this one, The Importance of Being Interested, Adventures in Scientific Curiosity by Robin Int. I read it a few weeks ago. I immediately found myself wanting to press it into everybody's hands evangelically. But in truth, I first approached it with a bit of caution. For years, Robin Ince, who started out as a comedian, he intermittently claims to have given up stand-up, but I don't know that's true. And he's created this hard to define niche in the media as a, a kind of non-scientific voice in scientific communication. For years, he put on a run of Christmas stage shows at the Bloomsbury Theatre, latterly at King's Place, I think, featuring comedians and scientists. And these shows were called Nine Lessons and Carols for Godless People. These shows were widely lauded and featured loads of comics and thinkers I would have loved to go and see. But at that time, as the title Nine Lessons and Carols for Godless People indicated, many people in this first wave of science-loving comics seemed to position themselves as being anti-religious, vocally hostile to religious people, scornful, caricaturing us as being necessarily anti-scientific and implicitly a bit dim. So although the lineup of these shows always looked great, I never went along because I'm not a godless person and I didn't want to go to a party where I wasn't welcome. However, in recent years, it seems that something has shifted amongst that crowd. And in 2018, after about a decade, the long running show changed its name to Nine Lessons and Carols for Curious People. That's more like it. 
it seems to reflect a more nuanced view, an understanding and an acknowledgement there is no reason at all why science and religion have to be in opposition to each other. And indeed, I might add that scientists haven't got a monopoly on curiosity. I used to be a scientist of sorts, by the way. I studied physics and medical engineering before I came to church, and I was still working as a researcher when I first stumbled through these doors. So this notion that the scientific and religious worldviews are fundamentally incompatible, that has always seemed a bit silly to me. Asking questions and being curious, being interested, as the book title goes, about the world around us, the world within us, and the world within others, that is a vital part of a faithful and flourishing life. Not just questions about science and nature, questions of philosophy and theology, politics and economics, sociology and psychology, asking why and how and what if. Let's not take things at face value, or at least not do that by default, but instead be ready to dig deeper, not as a knee-jerk naysayer, making flippant or bad faith objections for the sake of sport, but in service of the truth and a more holistic understanding of the world and our place in it. There's a place for healthy scepticism for sure, but sometimes scepticism with a capital S can become a defensive or even hostile position which paradoxically closes us off to whole realms of human wisdom. And as Robin Ince said in the reading I just gave, it is important to be open to answers that might surprise us, insights that might shake our worldview, insights that might require everything else to shift around a bit to integrate each new understanding. If we genuinely seek the truth, then we must be willing to question ourselves at least as much as we question others, asking, why do I believe what I believe? What foundations am I standing on? And why do I favour them? The path of curiosity and inquiry is very often a path of transformation. As we change our minds, we change our very selves. And in that first reading by Victoria Safford, which Hannah read for us, the small child asks, why was I stung by bees? I wonder how you would have responded to her question. Safford makes a valiant attempt to answer her, but in the end, all of her responses are a bit unsatisfactory. It's kind of unanswerable. And it seems to me that many of life's biggest questions are similarly resistant to a satisfying answer. Life itself is complex and mysterious and a bit random. Often there isn't a clear cut chain of cause and effect that we can point to, which is not to say we shouldn't keep asking the questions. Let's not give up too lightly. But let's bear in mind that we're not always gonna to come to a satisfying conclusion. We will probably need to come up with some sort of working hypothesis to live by, a provisional answer of some sort, and keep refining it over time as best we can, which of course is what scientists do. Many people have a false sense of the certainty of science. Good science is rooted in inquisitive humility, and it depends on the willingness to think again and again and adjust. It can be psychologically unsettling to stay in this space for uncertainty. We might feel a real yearning for a conclusive resolution definite answers to these big questions of life, the universe and everything. But let's resist the temptation to claim greater certainty about our answers than is really justifiable. 
And perhaps the most crucial religious question of all is this, how are we going to live in the not knowing? And of course, I'm not offering a simple answer to that anytime soon, but it's the question that lurks in the background inevitably every time we gather. And to misquote Rilke, it's the work of a lifetime to live into the answers. So let's come back here next Sunday and the next to this gathering of inquiring minds and keep on wrestling with those questions together. And to close, I want to repeat that quote from Basil Pennington that I shared in a meditation. He said, there are questions, lots of questions. And it's good to live in the question. A pat answer is closed, it's finished, that's it. It goes nowhere. It leaves little room for hope. A question, the mystery, opens the space for us. It is full of possibility. It gives hope of life and ever more abundant life our faith is full of questions and therefore full of life and hope. May it be so, for the greater good of all. Amen. Time for one last hymn then. Uh, it's on a little sheet in your order of service uh, to a well-known tune courtesy of Beethoven. Praise the source of faith and learning and as ever it will be on your screen at home. Uh, feel free to stand or sit. Praise the source of faith and learning.
that's always stirring that one just a few announcements then thanks to Ramona for tech hosting today thanks to Charlotte for stepping in at the last minute as our co-host at home thanks to Andrew for our last minute rescue and to Sydney and Simon for stepping in to play for us thanks to Benji and Harold for supporting the singing today all much appreciated for those of you here in person uh, Marianne will be serving refreshments including bread pudding which I know divides people after the service um, thanks to Marianne thanks to Liz and others for helping out for greeting there will be virtual coffee on Zoom with Charlotte if you want to stay for a chat. Later this afternoon, there will be a special event here at the church put on by the LDPA, our London Unitarian District, and the Seeds of Peace charity to mark Interfaith Harmony Week. Uh, there'll be music, art and storytelling starting from 2.30. So if you want to pop out for lunch and come back for that, they'd be glad to see you. Admission is free. We've got various small group activities going on during the week. There are still spaces left for Heart and Soul, our contemplative spiritual gathering online uh, tonight or Friday at seven o'clock. This week's theme is listening and being heard. Coffee Morning is online. Join Liz on Wednesday at 10.30 on Zoom if you want to chat and set the world to rights. And also Wednesday at seven o'clock on Zoom, uh, you can join session two of our group discussing why are we here, a uh, book about Unitarian mission, what, what are we doing here together as a church? Um, if you don't have to have been to the first one, uh, if you haven't got a, a copy of the book and you'd like one, I've still got a few spares uh, and I'll be sending out the link to that later tonight. Uh, our service next Sunday will be another hybrid one. Uh, next week, Sarah will be leading the service on the theme of love wins with a question mark, which I guess is an oblique nod to Valentine's Day. And we'll be having Brighton Unitarians joining us virtually. Details of all these events are on the back of your order of service and in a Friday email. The congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday morning, so let's keep in touch, look out for each other, and do what we can to encourage supportive connections. Just time for our closing words and closing music now then. It's time to take our leave. Before we gather here again, may each of us bring happiness into another's life. May we each be surprised by the gifts that surround us. May each of us be enlivened by constant curiosity. And may we remain together in spirit until the time we meet again. Amen.